And we're back. How about that? We're back for another episode, season two, episode six of the Fusion Underground. We're, we're ramping up here. Heck yeah. So, yeah. And uh, yeah, and so here we are. Here we are, right Again. where we were last week. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly different day, but yes, still the yes. same. Here at the Fusion Underground, we try to make sense of the world by having principled discussions about such topics as entertainment, current events, politics, and culture. Our mission is to educate people to become critical thinkers so they can live more empowered and happier lives. As always, I'm your host, Manuel Ramirez, and I'm joined, as always, in the virtual studio with my co-host, Jason Moret. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, brother. I'm good. How are you? <clears throat> I am doing well. And, are you uh, sure? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think so. <laughs> Just the way you said that, it seemed like you had to piece your words together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's all good. Good. It is all. It is all good. It is all good. You know, I finished that game, Control. Oh, the did you? Game, that, the video game Control, really amazing. I know, you, I think you have, don't you have like a Xbox or whatever? I do. I Xbox do actually. And I, oh God. No, I, I, I went on and actually I saw that game and I was going to start downloading it. And then I mm -hmm. saw it was like 60 bucks and I went, whoa, okay. Time out. I'll wait. It'll go yeah. on sale <laughs> eventually. <laughs> Cause uh, no. It's no. so good. It is. I believe you. So good. There's just. Uh, there's just something really wholesome about powerful telekinetic abilities. Okay. And, uh, you, can, you can rank up your character and you can go down the telekinetic tree because mm -hmm. you get telekinetic powers pretty early on in the game, but you can rank them up pretty, pretty, uh, pretty quickly. Um, and I maxed out all of my telekinetic abilities and it's yep. just, it's so much fun. And, and you can pick up dudes and huck them across the rooms and you can just pick up stuff. What's awesome is like, you can have a guy who's like running at you, you know, and you can actually hit your telekinetic power and pick something up that's behind them and then throw it into them. And then they just go <laughs> flying past you. It's just so, so good. It just, oh, it's just brings a, you know, just warms my heart it just brings a, a smile to your face it, it warms the cockles of my heart i have no idea what a cockle <laughs> is but it warms them anyway yeah. <laughs> deep in uh, the down in the basement in the yeah, cockle area in the, yeah. in the cockular area no i will i do want to check that that game out but um i'm gonna have to wait yeah I, I don't spend a lot on games yeah i know i got it on the pc and i think it was like i think it was 30 bucks on the pc oh. um you know, but yeah, on the, on the, uh, on the consoles, I think it's still at around 60 bucks. Definitely, yeah. you know, definitely pick it up when it goes on sale. Uh, it's, it's really worth it. You'll spend a lot of time, um, just running around in the game. Good, good stuff. Good. Yeah. I definitely want to check it out the way you were talking about it last week. I was, I was interested in it. So. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any, yeah, you can buy, there's, there's like a, there's like these, well, you don't buy guns, you have guns and they're weird. You just have this weapon that's kind of this, uh, I don't know, it's this interdimensional pistol and you can customize it to do different things. Um, that's pretty cool, but I just constantly used my telekinetic powers because there's, you're in an office building. So there's desks and chairs and all kinds of shit all over the place. 
Um, so there's plenty of stuff to fling at dudes. Pretty much anything right. you can, you know, the whole place is populated with crap. So there's all kinds of shit that you can grab and throw around the room. And Right. Um, Ma- Magneto does not need a gun. Yeah, exactly. I was like running around going, why do I need this thing? And I was just like halfway through the game, I just stopped shooting anything. I and mean, I was just like hucking stuff around. Um, so, yeah. Yep. Good, good times. Sounds like my kind of game. I'm, I, I am definitely going to pick it up. Now, you said that there was a lot of uh, going down your, your skill tree. I mean, mm-hmm. did you have to like pick one side and then kind of max that out? Or were you able to just shotgun everything? I picked one and I went completely down the telekinetic tree. Um, and I have to admit, it was really hard at first because you get like other, there are some other abilities. Like you get this ability to do a shield, which is you bring a bunch of crap from, uh, from around you, like telekinetically you, and you make this kind of like telekinetic, like this like wall deb- of, of debris. De- debris right? field. Yeah. And yeah. And so you can bring up this wall, which is a shield and it protects you from people that are shooting at you and everything. Well, you can strengthen, you can add experience points and, and build up the strength of your shield. You can build up um, the strength of, well, like your, your health. Um, the game's kind of brutal in that respect. Like if you, if you take damage, it's, it can be difficult to heal. Um, okay. And so I was really squishy in the earlier parts of the game because I was putting everything into, into telekinesis. You were building a glass cannon. Yeah. But by the, by the, probably the midpoint of the game, I was just, I was like, I was Magneto. I just became yeah. Magneto. And it was <laughs> like, it was so awesome. <laughs> just know. God power. Oh Don't yeah. Don't worry about health. Oh, it's freaking fantastic. And yeah, you know, and doing, doing crazy shit, like diving off a platform, you know, that's on a, that's like, you know, the second story above, you know, you like running and just diving off. And then while I'm in the air, grab something and huck it into some dudes and then land on top of them. And just, you know, it's freaking awesome. And then run away, run to cover because if one of them shoots me, I'm dead. Right. So it's yeah. like, you know, but like, you know, you're going to like the warehouse and warehouse area or in the basement area. And there's like, forklifts and you know i could at first you can't pick up a forklift it's too heavy for you to pick up but eventually by the end of the game i was like no problem i can pick up a forklift and throw that across the room and you know you had to build up your jedi luke skywalker ability to pull the x-wing out of the swamp oh yeah start off with that so good so good (laughs) so good Um, but if you like paranormal kind of stuff if you like yeah um there's a website What's this website called? Like CSP or something like that? I'm going to get it wrong. Um, there's a website. It's a fan website. It's just a fictional website. And they, 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 people go out there and they write these paranormal type of stories where there's like a house and they, they talk about these crazy stuff that goes on in the house or there's this toaster and this toaster like eats children. And, you know, and it's like, <laughs> And they, but they write it as if they're case files. Mm-hmm. The, the game is, is inspired by that website, oh, or at wow. least it feels okay. like that. So like there's a, in the video game, there's a mission that you can do where there's a refrigerator that eats people and you have to, you know, you have to defeat the, the refrigerator. The evil bad Frigidaire. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 
Um, and then there were like other items that I could, that you could find. Like there's this, there's a part of the game where you're in this vault area and in the vault, there are these cells, but there's a, a bulletproof glass so that you can look into each of the cells. Okay. And in the middle of the, each of the cell is a little platform and on the platform is just this object. And it's basically, it's where that, the object is where our reality has intersected with this other dimension. And so now this object, this very mundane object has like crazy powers. And it's so, like, it's like old mimics from DMD. Yeah, very much so. It's like old <laughs> mimics and they're, but it's all crazy. And so like when you're, when I was running around that area and I'm looking in all the different windows and I'm like, Oh, that's a refrigerator. Oh, that's a plastic swan. Hmm. Um, you know, it's like, Oh, this is a crowbar. And Oh, look, this is a, you know, an ice cream cube tray or something it was just like weird like well i wonder what all these things do like you know um well the ice cube tray should hold water so when you put it in the freezer and the water gets cold what is its special cthulhu-esque power you know like it's gotta like suck your soul out and do something with it right it's got 12 shots yeah something like that yeah yeah. That's how many ice cubes are in a tray. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> it's wow. really, really good stuff. So keep in mind, disclaimer at the beginning of yeah, our yeah. show, we said we try to make sense of the world. Oh yeah. We're, we, so yeah. here we are. We said we would try. <laughs> we didn't say we would actually succeed, but, uh, but we did say that we would try, uh, try to make sense of the world. So, um, I've got, I've got some, um, some stuff for you that, uh, you know, again, it's, it's, uh, it's political season, right? Right. And there's all kinds of, um, of craziness going on and quite a bit of it actually. Yeah. So, you know, we, we've talked, we've talked quite a bit about COVID. Uh, just a little bit, probably more, more than most people would like, but yes. (laughs) We've covered that topic. <laughs> well, a couple okay. Times. My my apologies to all of y'all who are like, oh my god, I'm tired of talking about COVID. Look, the reason why I we keep talking about it is because, well, every day is Clown World Day. It's Clown World yeah. Day, and new and crazy, ridiculous crap happens, and we, we have to share it with you. <laughs> it's not our fault. No, it's totally not our fault. It is an obligatory situation where we, as your devout host, must share with you, the listening public, the ridiculousness that is around COVID. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, Well, well, yeah. Well, that being said, fire away. So Louis Vuitton, do you know Louis Vuitton? Yes. Louis Vuitton, Vuitton, they are coming out with a new mask for COVID. It's to protect you. The well-dressed version. Yeah. Louis Vuitton, it's a face shield. So it's see-through, right? It's a face shield. Okay. You will not buy a video game for $60. No, but I won't buy a mask for $6 either. I refuse (laughs) to spend one dime on a mask. Not (laughs) one penny. (laughs) This is all rolling into Safeway like this. Yeah, just, <laughs> my shirt right, up. Fine. I, I just gotta don't. wear a mask. <laughs> F off. <laughs> I got a, I got a handkerchief in my pocket. I'm going bandito. 
They are selling, Louis Vuitton is selling a face shield for $960. Oh. And it's guaranteed to protect you from what? <laughs> what, is this, what is this guaranteed stuff? Well, what the hell's the point? Of, uh, well, obviously, if a face shield or and or mask doesn't protect you, the wearer anyway. So you must really care about your fellow man. Okay, wait a minute. What did you just say? What, what is it that you just said right now? That a mask does not protect you as the wearer? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, you know, this is my, this is my pet peeve. Okay, okay go. So, um, so last weekend, uh, I forgot to bring this up. Well, no, I, I, didn't, I couldn't have brought it up because I took them on Sunday. So last Sunday, I took my stepson to Bookman's to trade in some of these old books that he had. And when we were leaving, <clears throat> of course, he wanted to get a couple of books and, and stuff. So we're checking out. And Bookman's, you know, they have this gigantic plastic shield now that's erected at the register. And all of their employees are wearing masks. Mm-hmm. And you can't hear anything that the person <laughs> in the, behind the glass is talking about. You can't hear shit. There is this little window, this little tiny window at the bottom, at the very bottom. And she's talking to me. I have no idea what the hell she's saying. Right. Because it's going through her, it's being muffled by her mask. And then it's muffled by the plastic crap. And so this is my problem that I have. Look, if you're running a business, it's in your best interest to ensure that your employees are not sick, right? Right. So if I come to your business, why are your employees wearing masks? If you you do your due diligence and you, it's in your best interest for your employees to not be at work sick, and your and your management and everything is doing everything that they can to ensure that their people are not sick. Why are they wearing masks? Because the mask doesn't protect them. It's to protect me. Right. But I'm but you're already telling me your people aren't sick. So right. why are we doing this? <clears throat> oh, now that's a que- that's the question. Why are we doing this? That was a legitimate question. This, oh, mine was rhetorical. Away. Mine was oh, rhetorical. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, I can understand, I can, I can completely understand if, if a business says, you know what, I want the customers to wear a mask. I want mm-hmm. to be able to protect my other customers that are here and I want to be able to protect my employees. I have no ability to protect my other customers from you other than asking you to wear a mask. Okay, you know what? Understand. I, I kind of get it. Right. Right. If you want to go down that path, fine, whatever. Mm-hmm but you're erecting these gigantic shields that I cannot hear a goddamn thing you're saying through it anyway. Right. So why and then we, you're going to wear a mask on top. And of then it. you're going to wear a mask on top. Of, right. Why are we even, this is well, just absolutely you know, ridiculous. I, so I've seen the plexiglass um, barriers at multiple different businesses. And most of the time, the person behind said plexiglass barrier is not wearing a mask, which I go, okay, well, that makes sense. Oh, see, I haven't seen that. Every time I go oh, somewhere, they're that. wearing masks. Sure. Okay, go on. Okay, no, go. I've seen that. So that, that makes right. some sense. And you know what? I understand the plexiglass. It's, it's the sneeze shield at the buffet, you know? Yeah, yes. <laughs> which exactly I totally get. You don't yeah. want to come up and, you know, checking out your groceries and, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> all up in holly or jack's face you know right, and, right. and they're like seriously right now yeah well <laughs> but that happens anyway right 
why is this different? Right. Because COVID, which has killed less people than the flu right. in a year. Um, yeah. But yeah. now I can't now, but now you can wear a $960 face shield. Uh, you must yourself. really care about your fellow man. Yeah, you might as well. You have a you have a picture of said nine hundred dollar face shield. Oh, I'm you want to see it? Curious. You you want to actually see what it looks like? Yeah, I have I have a picture of it. I figured you might. I I can show you. So, uh, if we, that's a face shield right there. Isn't that amazing? That is. <clears throat> Awesome. Why would <laughs> I I actually have yeah. a face shield for work? It's yeah. uh in in my truck and well it didn't cost me anything, but it cost the company about a buck fifty. Right. And it looks it's... almost identical. Right. Nine hundred and sixty dollars. Well, it is Louis Vuitton. I, I just don't get it. Oh, okay. So let's let's switch gears here because um I have done I, I have taken one for the team. Oh boy. I've heard you say that before, but I, when I hear you say that, I think of something different. So please elaborate. F off. <laughs> <laughs> I have done something. So you and all of our listeners do not have to. Ooh. I have, I took it upon myself your wonderful host. I have, I took it upon myself earlier this morning, in fact, because you know I get up five o'clock in the morning. Right, and like as you pointed out, you've got five hours of not being bothered by kids and wife yeah. and work and yeah. life and everything else, exactly. and the whole world hates you right now. So of please, course. what did you do with your spare time? So I woke up this morning and I decided that I would watch the movie Cuties for you. Cuties. Oh, yeah. With the the the, the Netflix one with the, yeah, the Netflix girls one. who were with the dancing or the dancing girls. Yeah, yeah. The dancing 12-year-olds. So we had briefly talked about this a couple of weeks ago we when Netflix announced the preview or like premiered the preview of it and said it's coming. And there was a lot of uproar on social media. <clears throat> um, I watched the preview and I thought the preview wasn't bad. But of course, that was the preview. The preview was right. specifically cut a certain way. And so all of the, the craziness wasn't in the preview. I think there might have been just a touch. I can't remember. But it, anyway, the preview just did not seem that bad to me. But um, last week, the movie actually came out. It, you know, it's now on Netflix. And there was a tremendous furor over the last several days on social media. Now, you have people on one side that are saying it's, uh, it sexualizes children, it's literally child pornography. And then you have other pe people on the other side going, nah, it's not that bad. And so I thought, well, okay, fine. And you know, for the people on the side saying, well, it's not really that bad, they had one point. And that was, they were criticizing the other people on the other side and saying, well, have you at least watched it? You know. And mm -hmm. the people that are saying it's child porn, it's kitty porn, their response has been, well, no, I haven't watched it and I won't watch it. And I thought, well, right. okay, is that really fair? <clears throat> so I thought, well, I'm going to go ahead and check it out. So I, 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 I watched it. And okay. um, I'm really, there, there are two sides of this movie. On one hand, I think there is a really, 
um, there's a really sweet coming of age story about this, about this one girl in particular, but her friends um, in general who are about the age of 12 and they're growing up and trying to figure out their place in, you know, as they mature into teenagehood and all this kind of stuff. <clears throat> that part of the movie is totally fine. Well, just okay. me, yeah, the, I would say 90% of the movie is totally fine. <clears throat> the other half comes when the, the other side comes when these girls start dancing and it's in those moments when they're dancing that I sat in horror and wanted it to end as fast as possible. Okay. <clears throat> the, the dancing elements of the movie are terrible. They're, they're, they're just, they're, they're just God awful. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I just say that as a rational human being. I, I mean, if, if you watch the, 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 the movie and you think, oh, this is so nice. Look at them dancing. They're 12 year olds. And you think, well, isn't this, isn't this nice? Aren't they just lovely doing this? There's something seriously wrong with you. So the side that is criticizing the movie over the dancing pieces, I think they're absolutely justified in that. Okay. So what I was touching on when we first talked about this, which I think you're actually um, emphasizing the point that I was making, is that our um, dance that we have in our culture right now, specifically around, um, I'll say the hip hop rap kind of music, which I'm assuming in a dance competition, that's probably what they had more of. Yes. But that being said, the dance as of right now has become so overly sexualized that it's, to me, it's not even dance anymore. It's mm. just they're fully clothed sexual motions. I'm, yeah. I'm actually yeah. disgusted with dance in general. So are you saying that, that they were doing the same type of quote unquote dance moves that we see all the time, but the fact that they were 12 was disturbing or were they doing something above and beyond that? They were, they were emulating the, um, the soft core porn stripper dances that you would see in a rap video. Okay. Um, the girls, the, I mean, you're talking about 12 year olds who are, um, they're dancing extremely provocatively, you know, they're biting their hand fingers, you know, biting their lips, looking at the camera very provocatively, of course. Um, you know, they're, they're touching themselves between the legs, you know, they're, they're, they, they're lying flat on the ground, humping the ground, they're twerking on camera. And of course, when this happens, right? The camera zooms in on those areas of their body. And it's like, you know what, this is not, why did you film this? You know, why did you, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a story that I read earlier today that said the director and the producers of the film spent six months reviewing videotapes and, and um, um, you know, uh, what is it when they come, when you come and try out for a film, right? Um, but they, they basically, auditions? auditions, thank you. They basically sat through 650 auditions of 12 year old girls twerking over a six month period. Mm. <clears throat> and I'm like, 
who who does that kind of like there's something seriously wrong with you in, in my opinion um there is a vile scene and i don't understand why this scene was even in the movie um so the the main character she steals a phone from one of her i think he's a family member she steals his smartphone <clears throat> early on in the film and she's using it to watch hip hop videos and and watch other girls dancing and stuff like that which of course she's she's inspired Right. by these rap videos and she's trying to get her friends to dance like these like these rap dancers but there comes a part a part in the scene where the family member sees his phone and says wait a minute that's my phone and he starts arguing with her like give me my phone back and she doesn't want to give it back to him so what she does and i i, I am not exaggerating she she's able to get away from him she runs into her into the bathroom of her apartment in their her apartment, locks herself in the bathroom, and he's in you know he's like give me back my phone, give me back my phone. Then she proceeds to take off her pants, take off her panties, spreads her legs, and then uses the phone to take a picture of her vagina, and then uploads it to the internet. Mm. I don't know why that that scene causes her to do that. And I sat in horror, you know, and it, it like the whole scene of her in the bathroom plays out in, you know, like 30 seconds or less than that. And I'm like, why is this, why is this happening? Like why? And then as soon as it was done, you know, it was over. And I thought, why was that even filmed? Like, what's the purpose of that? Well, <clears throat> and, and I am not taking a position to defend anybody's filmmaking. So I haven't seen that. I have absolutely no interest in it. But, but I will say that I have had an issue with the way our, our dance culture, our music culture has been over-sexualizing. Absolutely. Um, and, and especially influencing, this has been an argument, and maybe, and this is before I was even a parent, so that's not that issue playing a part. But we are sexualizing our young women so much that I, it, to me, I'm almost, <laughs> this is going to sound terrible. So I apologize in advance. I'm almost glad for this because this puts what I've been saying right in the eyes of the public. You have been allowing this kind of sexualization and prov provocative behavior to become commonplace to our young women. You wonder why teenage pregnancy is up. You wonder why promiscuity is up. You, why wonder, you wonder why elementary school girls are acting like teenage girls or older. I mean, this we have done this as a culture and as a society. We have allowed the promiscuity of our young ladies to, to override their judgment. And now that it is on screen, right in front of you, you are overwhelmingly offended. You know what? You should be, yeah. but take some personal responsibility and go, what have you been allowing your 10-year-old or 8-year-old girl to listen to, to watch yeah. on TV, how to <clears throat> act? You know, you think it's funny when, you know, she's dancing around and you're videoing, oh my gosh, look at little Miss Jane dancing around the living room and she starts twerking. You're like, oh my gosh, stop it. That's not, that's not funny. 
Right. You know what? There's a reason. You think that they pick up on that for no reason whatsoever? Wrong. This and and maybe that was the whole point of the film. I don't know. I'm not defending it. I know nothing about it. But it seems ironic to me that we as a culture seem to be okay with that until we have to look at it face and face. Yeah. I there's a there's a a main the main point of this film is something that um, I have not seen written about anywhere else. And <clears throat> the whole point of the film is not really about the dancing. Although the dancing has a fair, there's a fair bit of it in there. Um, <clears throat> but from, from what I understand, the, um, the writer of the film uh, is a Muslim woman or is a Muslim woman. And when I heard that, it made more sense to me after I watched the film because the film <clears throat> is about this girl and she's part of this Muslim family who lives in France. So her family are refugees, okay, from somewhere else in the Middle East. And uh, they're, the father of the family is not currently with them. He is actually in Senegal. Okay, that's made clear very early on. Again, don't know if they're from Senegal or if he just happens to be in Senegal, I'm not too sure. But anyway, he's actually um, away from the family. <clears throat> and then you, you find out very, very early on in the movie that the mom learns that her husband has taken a second wife. And he will be coming to France with his new wife so they can all live together as one big gigantic happy family. Mm -hmm. And mom is completely distraught over this. There's a, there's a very touching emotional scene where the mother is trying to put on a strong face for her family. And then behind closed doors, she breaks down because of, you know, because her husband has now found a, a second bride. And that's a very touching moment. And it, I was thinking at that point, I thought I'm more interested in learning about the story of the mother. Okay. than this little girl, but now this little girl, she sees, she actually sees her mother. She's hiding and she sees her mother break down. She learns about her father. Now she's sort of, um, she's angry at her father. Um, and her family is very, very conservative Muslim. Okay. She's a very conservative Muslim family and they don't want her listening to this music and dancing this way and they don't like her wearing these provocative clothes when she goes to school and all this and she gets yelled at by her aunt and all this kind of stuff um <clears throat> at the end of the movie you have to understand at the end of the movie the girl has this epiphany moment and she comes back like she was on this this rebellion track away from her family and and she was on this rebellious track of embracing Western culture, keep in mind, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Because she's watching these rap videos and dancing like them and emulating all of the Western culture and her manner of dress and everything. And then she has this epiphany right at the end of the movie and she comes back and now she's, she's perfectly happy to come and embrace her cultural lifestyle, her, you know, that Muslim background. She's, we, 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 the movie seems to end with her being 
totally okay now that her dad has moved in with his new bride and the family is all together and all joyous and now she's happy and and she leaves her dancing friends we we assume um now keep that in mind think about that this is this is a story about written by a muslim woman about a girl who kind of deviates from the muslim culture but then circles back ultimately back to it mm-hmm. so there there's a message there can you imagine if this movie had come out but it was the exact same film, but instead of a Muslim family, that that, Mus- that that family is Mormon. Okay. Can you imagine the backlash it would be around that we would then, I believe we would have, there would be criticism focused on the mother and why, she, why is she allowing her husband to take a second wife into a Mormon religion Okay, and and now we have sister wives and all this kind of stuff. There's there has been zero criticism about that, zero criticism that I have seen. Well, that doesn't. I mean, that doesn't shock me. Nor does it really shock you. You might sit here and pretend to be shocked by it, but you're not. Well, of course, I'm Um, not shocked. But (laughs) but we um, we've been conditioned. Um, We are not allowed to criticize, especially religions we don't understand. Um, and even if we understand it, we have to respect them for their individual beliefs, which that's fine, but that's not a universal truth. Right. Um, as you're trying to, I think, eloquently point out, um, that's Mormonism or, or more being Mormon. That's a traditional white, um, raced religion. If there is such a thing, right. Um, it's predominantly white. So, uh, that being said, predominantly white means it's criticized, ridiculed, no matter what. I mean, that's practically a rule. Um, and we, we talked about this in a very early um, episode where um, uh, Jeff Goldblum uh, made right, reference right. to a drag queen yeah. who was Mormon and, yeah. you know, talking about the hijab. You remember that? Yeah. And he got absolutely obliterated for asking a very direct but simple question about, you know, the hijab and, and the religious, um, I guess, contradictory idea of women and how they are treated in, uh, in that religion and this person being a drag queen. He's like, how do you, how does that reconcile? And he got obliterated for it. That wasn't even a criticism. That was a question. Right, right. So you're going to ask me how, if I'm shocked that nobody's questioned anything about any of that? Well, I think, you know, the other part of that is, is, is the people doing the criticism know that it's safe to criticize a Christian religion. It's Correct. safe. Yeah. You, you know, you look at things like Charlie Hedbow, right? Um, if you deign to um, to do anything that is perceived as insulting the prophet Muhammad, they're going to come and cut your head off, right? If you right. if if you take offense and if you do something to offend Christians and offend the the image of Christ, Christians are not going to come and cut your head off. No, but the Muslims will come and cut your head off. They've well, made that perfectly clear. Yeah, don't forget. I mean, wasn't that what we were told was the whole reason for the outrage and the situation in Benghazi? 
Of course. It so, was a spontaneous reaction to a YouTube video insulting Muhammad. Yes. So we have to believe that. Yes. So this is part of the reason why I think nobody has actually criticized the film with regard with respect to the religion and the family. That's that's a big part of the I mean the family unit <clears throat> is why this girl kind of goes off the beaten path, right? Because the family is very conservative, but she's intermingling with these other, with these other kids at school. And let's face it, the other girls are just mean kids. This, this, main, this main actress, the main girl in the film, she's actually a really good kid at the beginning of the film. And I, and I think a lot of that is attributed to her mother and her family lifestyle and the 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 family values that she's been raised in okay up until that point right mm-hmm. um we don't know what happened before the before the beginning of the film obviously but when she's going to school she's a very you know she takes care of her younger brothers uh you know she helps out around the house she goes to school she's very studious you know she does her homework um she follows the rules she's a normal kid but she's a well-behaved very well-adjusted child but she's intermingling with these Western kids at school who are quite frankly, they're mean girls. Mm-hmm. They're bullies and they're mean girls. And, but she wants to be like them right? because they're provocative. And they're and, popular, I'm and assuming. They're, yeah, and they're, mm-hmm. they're popular. You know? And so she's able to make friends with them and, and break through that barrier. And you know, then of course she completely embraces that Western culture much to the astonishment of her family. So anyway. Yeah. And, and, you know, we see that with whether they're regardless of religious or, or um, cultural upbringing. I mean, that's, that happens to, to young girls, especially right now. I mean, yeah. you know, the popular mean kids, they're mm-hmm. the in crowd, they're the proverbial cheerleaders and, you know, right. in high school that um, all the other girls are either a hate or aspiring to be. And so, yeah. You know, and those are concerns for every parent out there. Shoot, I, I worry about my daughter. Yeah. She's a she's a sweet kid. She wants to please everybody, which is great and yet terrifying. Sure. Because, you know, yeah, I think um, if other kids were to say, you know, we want you to do this, if that would make them happy, she would do it. And that's what worries me. Yeah. So she's, she's um, I guess, uh, influence, easily influenced in that way. So, yeah. It, yeah. Well, I watched the movie, so you don't have to. Like I said, the, uh, there's a good part of the movie which it, it would actually be a decent film. Um, it, it's not, you know, the the side with the the all of the scenes and everything with the girls running around school, even with the mean girls and and just them trying to fit in. It's a very normal, you know. There are a lot of kids at 12, 13 years of age. They go through that very normal, you know, growth, you know, culturally, socially, whatever. Um, all that's fine. All that is is a is a actually a pretty decent film, and it's filmed very well. I think the story is very captivating with what's happening. It's the dancing pieces, well, in that bathroom scene, which is just yeah. ridiculous. Um, but it's it's those moments where they're trying to be, you know, the young twenty year old stripper rap dancer that is just like I can't believe people are celebrating this anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of films, did you speaking see, of, did you see the changes that the, um, the Academy, you know, the one oh, that gives out the Oscars, right. that they, they have, they have changed the, the uh, requirements for the film 
film for best picture. Category. No, I didn't see. You that. did not see no, that. No, I didn't see it. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Okay, so this people still watch that, right? Allegedly. Oh, okay. I, yeah, right. allegedly. You know, which is really sad because when I was a kid, uh, the Academy Awards was a big thing. That was a big deal. I remember that. And, and even growing up beyond what I would consider being a kid, um, you know, in the, in the later kid years, now I look back. Yeah, I even was when really I was a, a teenager, a I time. mean, yeah. even when I was yeah. a teenager, my family used to, I mean, it was like a big deal. Like the Academy Awards would come on, it, you know, my family would make a big feast. We'd gather around the TV. We would watch the Academy Awards and cheer on different films, either films that we had seen mm-hmm. or we would, oh, I want to see that film. Oh, I forgot about that. You know, we'd talk about, it. and it was a great time. It was four yeah. or five hours of really good family time around the I, I remember watching it when um, Forrest Gump cleaned up. The last I think time that was I, one of the last years. The I last time I watched the Academy Awards was uh, when Return of the King was nominated for. Oh wow! Jillian, yeah. and I, I watched it because of that, yeah. and yep. it it basically swept every single thing it was nominated for. Yep. Um, but anyway, the the Academy has changed the requirements for Best Picture, uh, and I believe these go into effect in twenty twenty four. So there's still a few more years and they do that. They're doing it now for 2024 because some years are going to take a couple, you know, some films can take two years before they're actually made into a movie when they start sure. even pre-production. Right. Um, so it gives everybody a fair heads up right. that if you are, if you're making a movie and you're shooting for best picture, here's your requirements. Yeah. Even movies that are greenlit now, but still have not yet hit pre-production, right? They wanted, they wanted them to be aware that this is coming so maybe they can make some adjustments for their films for best picture. So I think and for people outside of the in- industry, it's important to know that yes, that is a big part of when you're making a movie of what you're looking for. You are oh, sure. looking for that award almost every time. So knowing oh, yeah. what those requirements, and I don't think people out there who, you know, most people don't recognize <clears throat> or realize that. Yes. That's a bit that goes into that's a big part of what goes into account when you're actually yeah. writing, directing, even coming up with a, uh, um, a soundtrack, you know, those kind of things, they play a big part in the movie that you eventually see. Yeah. I don't think so, people realize that they just go to a movie and say, well, we did a good job because everybody liked it and we got an yeah. award for it. How cool. That's you not would really think it would work that way, but it doesn't work that way, but it doesn't. Yeah. So here are the, um, the standards or the requirements for a film for best picture. Now, to achieve um, to achieve the standard, so there are some other standards, everything. So they, they, they break this out according to um, categories. So the main changes for the categorization come in what's called standard A, standard A. Okay, they're calling it standard A. The other ones are technical issues and all this kind of stuff. But standard A, the film has to meet one of the following criteria to meet the standard A um, rules for being nominated for best picture. Um, and A sub one. So you either have to be, um, so you have to have one of the following criteria. So you could have one of the following criteria come from lead or significant supporting actors. All right. So if you, if you make a change, you, at least one of the lead actors or significant supporting actors is from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. And in, in these are the groups. They can either be Asian, 
They can be Hispanic or Latinx, which I absolutely hate the term Latinx because it's not a word. Black African-American, indigenous Native American or Alaskan Native, Middle Eastern, North African, Native Hawaiian or other Pacific Islander, or any other underrepresented race or ethnicity. Okay, so if you have at least one of those in your lead or significant supporting actors, then you meet standard A. <laughs> you know, <laughs> wait, I'm not even done. I know, I know, but this is okay. Hold on before you go on. I have to okay. stop. All right. So we, we've talked about a couple different movies, the Avengers, uh -huh. the uh -huh. last Avengers, uh -huh. the, the woman, Tr or charge of final war yeah, was yeah. probably arguably the most awkward part it was very awkward of the entire movie yeah it was like and really? everybody who saw it went okay there you go yeah. here's the the feminazi yeah. parade is on patrol yeah here you are move it on how ridiculous is that now yeah. you're actually making that a requirement for best picture is you must have a token moment. And, okay. you know, I, I'm reminded of <clears throat> South Park. There, there's one, a black character in South Park. Mm -hmm. His name is Token. Token, yeah. You must ha now have, have, a, have token a token black guy or yeah. a token Mexican or a token Asian. Seriously? Right. How ridiculous. And, and you guys... You guys out there in Hollywood love you to pieces, but you think that 90% of the viewing public cares. They yeah. do, but not in the way you're targeting. Yeah. So they, that's this them off. So that's one. That's one grouping. Okay, you can one. have at least right. a lead or significant supporting actor. Or let's say let's say you look at your script and you're like, well, I can't really get a lead or significant supporting actor in these groups in my film. Okay, is there another requirement that I could hit? Yes, I'm glad you asked. Ooh, there can is I guess? another one. Go ahead. Guess. I'm gonna say LGBTQRSPAB. You're jumping the gun just a little bit. Kind oh, of sort of. So kind okay. of sort of. The okay. general ensemble cast, if the general ensemble cast and that means at least 30% of all actors in secondary and more minor roles are from at least two of the following underrepresented groups. Women, racial or ethnic groups, LGBTQ+, ding, 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 <laughs> ding, ding, or people with cognitive or physical disabilities or who are deaf or hard of hearing. <laughs> I am by no means laughing or making fun of every anybody out there with cognitive disabilities. But so Goonies would count, right? Cuz well one we of the character sloth. one of well no. Who <laughs> is also an Asian? You guys. <laughs> kicked off youtube um <laughs> there was an asian guy in the goonies there there was there was an asian goonie you are yeah. absolutely correct okay oh and you know what his name was data wasn't his name data data yeah yeah 
Um, yeah. And hey, and he was uh, one of the he was a significant supporting actor. He was, and therefore, I still say Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory were still good because we've got you know a couple different people, and we've got Oompa Loompas. There's a bunch of midgets. I think that they are <laughs> absolutely <laughs> underrepresented. Would they be? Would they, they? I don't know. Would they be considered thirty percent of the general ensemble cast? They were definitely ensemble. They're orange. Okay. <laughs> We're talking about midgets of color here. <laughs> How ridiculous is this? <laughs> you would talk about underrepresented. We are three foot tall, orange faces, and green hair. I believe that they are vastly misrepresented. Okay, well, what if your movie doesn't have a general ensemble cast or lead or significant supporting actors? There is another piece that you can have to make your oh. movie qualify. Okay. And, the, and this has to deal with the main storyline or subject matter. So the main storyline's theme or narrative of the film, the narrative of the film is centered on an underrepresented group, such as women, racial or ethnic group lgbtq plus ding 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 or people with cognitive or physical disabilities or who are deaf or hard of hearing so i would just like people to recognize that based on these criteria okay the godfather would never have been able to want to win best picture Godfather out. No, it's not about LGBTQ. No, no, I, I don't know. Do, does the uh, no? I guess. Um, hmm. Okay. All right. I'm gonna come back to that because I think I have an argument. But let me let me stew on it. Continue. Godfather wouldn't make it. One of my favorite films of all time, Amadeus, about Wolfgang mm -hmm. about Mozart, right? Ah. Oh, no, that was Beethoven was deaf. Sorry, keep going. Beethoven was deaf. <laughs> Amadeus won Best Picture. I think it was like back in 84, 85. Uh, it would never have won Best Picture. Um, what was uh, Saving Private Ryan? Never would have run, won Best Picture. I don't know. Matt Damon's got a little bit of a cognitive thing going on, doesn't he? There's, <laughs> he doesn't come in at the very end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a big he's a big role. I mean, that's that's definitely at least supporting. I mean, his character. The whole movie's named after his character for crying out loud. Yeah. Oh shit. Well, I guess it wasn't saving Matt Damon. It was Private Ryan. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you know there there are plenty of films that would never have been. Uh, it never would have won. Now, of course, the color purple could have won. Sure. Yep. But it was never nominated. I don't nope. think. I don't think, think it was. It was. I don't think it was nominated. So. So basically, from what I understand, if I can surmise, if you make a movie that is not in some way, shape, or form a social justice warrior movie, you have no chance of winning an award. For best picture, yes. Wow. <clears throat> well, Lord of the Rings, those would have still been available. I mean, they had dwarves and hobbits, they're little people, and a lot of orcs. I mean, they were all black. 
But it probably would have been kicked out because all the orcs were the bad guys, and you you can't have that right. have been that have been right. a race war. Yeah. So that have been bad. So. Oh my God! You know Hollywood just continues to earn its its uh, title of the uh, of Holly Weird. It's um, it's terrible. <clears throat> well, they are in the Socialist Republic of California out there. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I have another thing here. So this is not movie related, but. Um, so, you know, we're starting to go back to school, or at least, the, you know, the kids are starting to go back to school, right? And many schools across the country, by which I hate teachers still. Uh-huh. Thank you very much. Yeah, yep, we're still there. Um, we, we, we're still on that. We know that that thread still beats heartily on this show. Yeah. I don't hate the act of teaching. No. I hate the crazy teachers who don't think about the kids. Um. I hate but, the crazy teachers who actually use our children as leverage. Yes. I think that that is a higher form of evil. Yes. And that's, that's really what I meant. I really meant those, those teachers that use our children for, the, for craziness yep. um, and use them for leverage to get what they want. Yep. That's, anyway. That is really, really sick to, to leverage a child. And teachers aside, I yeah. mean, just think about it. If it was anybody else that was actually using your child, Correct. As a means to get something they want, those are sick people, and you would have them stoned in the street. Yeah. And yet we applaud our schools for doing that. Don't, yeah. No, absolutely not. So, anyway, a lot of schools are going back, or, you know, they've started back up, um, but the students are attending classes virtually, right? Yeah. So, um, now imagine that um, you have a 12-year-old kid who's probably in seventh or eighth grade, right? And so not even in high school. And all of a sudden, a police officer shows up on your doorstep and you say, well, well, why? Okay. Come to find out that your son happened to show a plastic green toy that is a, it's a gun. It is like a Nerf gun, okay? But a plastic bright green with orange, with an orange trigger and orange accoutrement on around on the gun, clearly a toy, shows the toy briefly online during class and the teacher decides to call the cops on the child. What? Yes. Like so, the same type of gun that, that somebody would bring in for show and tell? Yes. Like a water gun? Correct. So I'm reading from the story here. It says, quote, it was really frightening and upsetting for me as a parent, especially as the parent of an African-American young man, especially given what's going on in our country right now. He was in tears when the cops came. He was just in tears. He was scared. We all were scared. I literally was scared for his life. With these words, Curtis Elliott, father of the suspended 12-year-old student, Isaiah Elliott, described an ordeal which has left his family reeling in fear and frustration. It all started when young Isaiah briefly flashed a toy gun within the visual frame during his online junior high art class. A toy gun, neon green, complete with orange tip and the words zombie hunter etched on the barrel. 
Rather than questioning the child or asking to speak to his parents, the teacher alerted a school admin who in turn called the cops. And they in turn responded to the family's home. Oh my God. Oh my God. I, there, there are <clears throat> two blaring, big, huge problems with this story that uh, I'm sure you probably have more to read, but I couldn't help stop. No, I'm pretty much done now. That's uh, I, I'm just, I, okay. One, why, why when you're, you know, if in, in a classroom setting, let's just pretend you've got 20 kids in a classroom and you're the teacher and you see young Isaiah, I think you said his name was pull a toy out of his backpack. You go, Isaiah, this is not playtime. You shouldn't even have that here. Put that back. Pay attention. That's a teacher. Correct. You don't go talk to some other admin and call the cops on what? That he wasn't paying attention to you during your online training session? I'm sorry. I can't imagine any 12-year-old out there who's got enough attention span to watch a... They have a hard time watching a two-hour movie that they actually like and pay attention, let alone you droning on on a computer screen. Who the hell cares? You know what? Was he making noise? Was he disturbing your class? If that's the case, be a teacher and take control and say, Isaiah, knock it off. Or as the administrator of this classroom, I'm going to send you out of it by hitting exit. Isaiah, enter. Done. You just send him to the principal's office. When his teachers call up and are all upset, why'd you kick him out of class? You can tell him because he wasn't paying attention and he was playing with a toy. That's being a teacher. Yeah. Knock it five, off. That's five days. Five days suspension. That's insanity. So he was that's probably sitting in his room. He was probably he was. sitting in his bedroom. Yes. Trying to pretend like he's actually going to school, which you know what? Shame on all of you guys for putting the kids in a position where they have to try and figure out that this is actually a classroom by looking at a computer screen. You know what? I couldn't expect that out of normal adult employees. Sorry. That's problem number one, which is a big one. Two, I I almost, I take a little bit of issue with what mom or dad, and I couldn't say that they, that he, they were in fear for his life when the cops showed up. I don't understand. Why would you be in fear for your life? Yeah. I don't know about that. I think, I, I, think, I, think, that's I think that was a little, uh, uh, way to the other extreme. I mean, yeah. you're matching insanity with equal insanity. Don't do that. You're adding to it, but still shame on that teacher Shame on the administrator. I don't if you're the principal or vice principal, whatever, shame on you. How dare you? You need to be kicked out. I'm sorry, you should be fired immediately. Um, and then for all the other parents in that school, pay attention. Because this can happen to you. Yep. And I'm sorry, but this is again, you are your kids are being used. So ah. God, <laughs> so... I know, right? Uh, I'm looking at a shovel and, and yeah. I'm having very homicidal thoughts right I know. now. I know it's, 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 uh, it's crazy, but I have good news. Oh, I good. good I have, you. I have good news. Praise the Lord. Continue. <clears throat> so, you know, there's, 
several weeks ago, there was that whole fiasco that was going on with respect to the post office, right? Yes. And why were ever, why was everybody all up in arms over the post office is because of voting. Right. 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 We, um, yes. The, well, there was a lot of things going on with the post office. One, they wanted $25 billion. That's billion with a B for, for all voting. of you boys and girls in school right. online right now. That's but it was so that B. they could handle the mail-in ballots. Correct. Right. Because people have been pushing mail-in ballots. Um, I won't go into the fact that there was another issue where um, an, an entire truckload of mail was caught being dumped in a California parking lot. And that was just a week and a half ago. So we've got several, um, I think that's the third story that we've had this year of mail being dumped, um, you know. So, you know, of course, what could actually go wrong? In Detroit, there is now a a lawsuit that has been filed in Detroit. And of course, the, um, I don't know who actually brought the lawsuit but I think this will give everybody, you know, peace of mind, right? 4,788 voting registrations were duplicated. Duplicated. They were duplicate registrations. So if you were, if you were registered, you might've been registered twice. But of course, we don't necessarily know how many times that duplication may have occurred. But 4,788 duplicate registrations. There were also 32,519 more registered voters than eligible voters <laughs> in Detroit. Also, 2,503 dead people were registered to vote in Detroit. No, no, okay. So how does this happen? Elaborate for me and the rest of our listening audience. How dead people get registered? Well, you, you were talking about the post office. And so I'm hearing about some, some voter registration fraud, but how does this tie into the post office? I'm getting there in just a second. Okay, sorry, go just, ahead. This is just wetting the appetite. Yep. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, my palate is wet, sir. Okay. <laughs> One of the voters in Detroit was actually born in 1823. Atta boy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> nice. So. Almost 200 years old. That's okay. Yeah. So a, another thing. So this kind of gets into the mail-in. This gets into the mail-in ballot, mail-in voting. Did you realize, do you guys realize that across 30 states, there are, 50 states in the union, 57 if you're Barack Obama, but there are 50 states in the union, right? 30, across 30 states, there have been more than 550,000 mail-in ballots that have been rejected so far in 2020. Thus far. Thus far. Half a million. Yes, a little over half a million. The, 20, 000, the 2016 presidential race was decided by about 77,000 votes spread across mm -hmm. three states. Right. 77,000 votes spread across three states. We're talking 550,000 mail-in ballots that have been rejected in 2020 across 30 states. This is why I have an issue with mail-in ballots. Agreed. Agreed. 
And and we talked about this and, and I, I made the case and, and I'm still waiting. And if you're out there in the sound of my voice, please feel free, shoot an email, send us a little ditty on uh, Facebook or on uh, Twitter. I would love a argument that we can discuss on why we should not eliminate mail-in ballots as a whole and simply go with a absentee ballot system. Now, keep in mind, one of the points to the, the, why I brought that up, an absentee ballot, you have to show not only ID, identification, saying that you are who you are. For me, you are Jason Moret, and you live at this address, and I am who I say I am, and I would like an absentee ballot. Then you must answer the question, why are you not able to go to your polling place? And there's a handful of reasons which qualify for that. So mm -hmm. it's not saying that I cannot, quote unquote, mail my ballot in, but mm -hmm. I must prove who I am, which is a mail-in ballot. You do not have to do that. Right. And you have to have cause of some sort. And it doesn't have, there's, actually, there's a pretty big range of reasons why I wouldn't go. But... Why not go to that system and at least be able to eliminate dead people from voting? Uh, 193 year old people from <laughs> vote or seven year old people from voting, which they probably did. Um, and having duplicates. Do you honestly have an argument to say, this is why I want a failed system to per to continue on in perpetuity i'm actually asking for any kind of argument for that well and keep in mind that in new york state alone just in their pat in the last pri primary this year in 2020 they had a rejection rate of 21 percent of the ballots that's disgusting you're talking one in five essentially one in five ballots they had to throw out they mm -hmm. couldn't count it right i don't even think the i don't even think the final total, uh, the final um, primary ballots have been released in the state of New York because that's how messed up they were. Yeah, yeah. And, but keep in mind, right? We, we need to have, we need to have vote-in ballot or mail-in voting, right? And there's all kinds of registration fraud that's taking place, whether that was unknowns to somebody or not. Uh, the fact remains that at some point, somebody was committing some kind of a fraud as evidenced by Detroit. And I'm sure that's happening all over the place. Sure. I, I know that there's always stories of that happening in California. Um, but I think this is one of the reasons why, uh, particularly the Democrats have been pushing for things like mail-in ballots. Um, the, the, the reason for, the, for all of this, I think, is because, well, their candidate says things like this. U.S. COVID-infected military, uh, excuse me, U.S. COVID infected in America, 6,344,700. U.S. COVID deaths, 189,506. <laughs> For those of you that didn't catch it, he said 6,344,700. <laughs> What's was it 6,000 or is it, you know what? That's okay, Joe. 
You don't need to have the facts straight when you negotiate with people across the world if that if you take over as commander in chief. Or or and that was just one time. And you might say, well, you know, he's it's it's tiring. I look, I get it. When you're campaigning really, really hard for for something like like the president of the United States, uh, candidates are often on the campaign trail. Not Joe Biden. He spends a lot of his time at home, um, but they tend to get pretty wiped out. The dude is pretty old, right? Keep in mind, we haven't had any stories about how bad it is that Joe Biden is what seventy-seven years of age. Mm-hmm. When John McCain ran, he was what seventy-one. Right. And there were all kinds of articles that were that were lamenting the fact that he was too he old. Was- trashed up one side and down the other about being infirm infirm and we have joe biden who's 77 now and not one peep about this but keep in mind that was one quote but here's another quote you all i carry with me i don't have it i gave gave it to my staff but i carry with me in my pocket a do i have that around anyone where's my staff i gave it away anyway i carry a schedule in my pocket This is, this is not good. Mm. The, the, now, I, I, believe that, I believe Biden is, has the onset of dementia. There are a lot of people who believe that. I don't believe that because, um, because some, some conspiracy theorist has been talking about that. I believe that because I watch what he says. And he sounds like he's losing his mind. Yeah, well, I carry it with me. Well, I don't, I don't have it right now, so don't ask me for it. it. I don't know whether he's trying to think ahead and waiting for somebody to call him out on stuff. Um, but and, and so you made the point, you know, being on the cam- campaign trail is tiring. Yes. Yes, it is. Very tiring. You know what else is tiring? The job of the president of the <laughs> United States. Yeah. It's exhausting. Uh-huh. I don't want, and look, I mean, I'm just being honest. I want somebody who is, if they have to fly on Air Force One over the drink and meet with an ambassador or the leader of another country, I don't want that person acting like they've been up for three weeks. Mm-hmm. I need them to get the rest, but be sharp be direct, be cognitive, and actually be able to have a poignant conversation so that we can keep our relations up, we can reach an accord, America retains its strength, and we don't get walked all over. You tell me right now, listening to Joe Biden, who out in the rest of the waking world is going to not walk all over that man i don't want that and i don't think a a great deal of this country really want that either matter of fact i think there's a large percentage of the people who are adamant they are going to vote for joe biden believe that he will (laughs) never set foot at another country in another palace, in another government building, talk with nobody for the next four years. 
they truly believe that he is or has to send someone else to go do that because he is in no shape to do it. I don't believe that. The, I don't believe that anybody out there, even those who are die-hard Joe Biden supporters, really believe that he has the physical prowess to be able to negotiate for our United States of America. And he may have had it at one point. He may have had it. You could have, have made it. a. You could have made an argument that ten years ago, he he could have been able to do that. But I don't think you can make an argument about that now. And, and if you still don't believe me and say, well, you know, that was really two clips. Um, but I have a whole host of others. So check this out. I can hardly wait to compare my cognitive capability to the cognitive capability of the man I'm running against. We got to. It's just. Yeah. But you got to. I mean, the, the, we got to reassure. Look. My play the radio. Make sure the television. Excuse me. Make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. COVID has taken this year, just since the outbreak, has taken more than 100 years. Look, here's the lives. It's just. It's. I mean, you think about it. The words of a president matter. We cannot get reelect. We cannot win this reelection. Excuse me, we can only re-elect Donald Trump. No matter how competent or incompetent the president is, they can send a nation to war, they can bring peace, they can make markets rise or fall. I'm going to beat Joe Biden. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, president, wake up. My name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. Look me over. If you like what you see, help out. If not, vote for the other guy. Give me a look, though, okay? All men and women created by the go. You know the you know the thing. I just I just can't figure the guy. It's like it's, I don't know. It's like watching a yo-yo. Couldn't have said it that way. It's like watching. It feels that way. I want to ask. I want. <laughs> All right, Chuck. Thank you very much. Uh, all right. Uh, it's Chris, but anyway. Chris. I just did Chris. No, no, I, I, I just did Chuck. Why doesn't he just act like a president? That's a stupid way to say it. You know, guess, Donald Trump really was asked wishing... on... Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I probably best I don't. Just don't tell anybody I told you this. Especially don't tell Joe Biden. I don't think that be any debates. And of course. What the hell? So he said he was running for a state senate. Right, that's he cute. Sa- he said he was, you know, if if you don't like him, look at the other Biden. The other Biden. The other Biden. When- he he talked about running, you know, for re-election. And then said, "Well, no, wait a minute. We can't. We can't win re-election because Donald Trump is president. We could only re-elect him." Yeah. Uh, yeah. You have really got to hate President Trump um, to vote for that guy. And you know, I still, I still make the argument. You can really hate President Trump and recognize that yeah. you just cannot vote for that guy. Now, keep in mind, okay, I want to read something here because okay. last week last week the Atlantic came out with a story. 
and the Atlantic said, well, you know, President Trump, he said all of these crazy things about our soldiers, right. that they died and they were terrible that. or whatever, right? He said these crazy things. And there were people that came out and said, well, wait a minute. Um, there were people in the room and, and we talked about this. There were people in the room and that's been refuted. But there were many people on the left that said, well, I believe it because it sounds true. It, it sounds, sounds like something he would say. It sounds like something Trump would say. Okay. All right. Well, what about this? This was posted, um, this was posted on, uh, I think it was on 4chan, if I'm not mistaken. A, uh, this was allegedly this guy actually worked for the Biden campaign. Now, given everything that you just heard, all of the little clips that I played, given the fact that Biden hasn't really spent a lot of time on the campaign trail, mm-hmm. even now, I mean, Trump is now starting to do his rallies all over again. And so he's traveling all over the place. Biden only comes out for like the, you know, these, he tra- last week he traveled to Pennsylvania. He traveled to Pennsylvania, did a 20 minute thing, and then immediately went back home. Right. He was only out for 20 minutes. Okay. So now I'm going to read some of this stuff here and, and think about it. Does this sound possibly true? I don't know if any of this is true. So I have to just put that out there because we have no idea who this person is that wrote this. Um, the people that are mentioned are, um, are part of the campaign. So there's, a, there's some bits of truth here. All of it could be false. Um, and there might only be little pieces, kernels of truth in here. I don't know. But check this out. Okay. So he says, this guy posts and says, I worked as a low-level staffer for the Biden campaign's HQ in Philly from July to the end of August. I am more of a Bernie guy, but I thought I should do whatever I could to defeat Trump, so I joined up. Eventually, I became so disgusted with what was going on, I had to leave. Some of this I experienced. The juicier bits are things my now former coworkers told me, so take those bits with a grain of salt. So even the guy posting this says, you know what, I'm hearing some of this secondhand. So right. it's hearsay. So it's hearsay. yeah. Yeah. And, and I want people to understand this is hearsay. So one, the whole campaign is extremely paranoid about leaks getting hacked. If I were to publish the email chains I got, you'd see about a thousand messages saying, please see me or meeting at 10 AM. No one wants another DNC hack situation. So no one puts any real information in emails or texts. Even with COVID in-person meetings are the norm. They don't want to do anything on Zoom either in case someone records it. Everyone is suspicious of each other and nobody likes to give specifics on anything. It was frustrating. Now, I totally understand this. I understand this because of the DNC hacks in 2016. It it destroyed them. Well, and and in all fairness, honestly, Mm -hmm. um, if this came um, from the Trump campaign Mm -hmm. and from the RNC, I could understand that too. You yeah, know I could what? Understand it Everything is so cutthroat right now. Yeah. Something we, we say, an email, and who hasn't had an email or a text or something get taken way out of context right. and be used against you later on. So you know what? I, I kind of agree with can that. understand that right. from either side. And I'm right. looking at that as neutrally as I possibly can. So. Yeah, because somebody here could write a book, right? And they could take all of those emails and everything and publish, sure. you know, get paid, go on a talk show circuit, whatever. Yep. And they, they want to guard against that. Okay, I get it. I understand. So not that big of a deal, right? Okay, right. 
it, it, it sets a tone for the office yeah that that can be it, i could understand that wouldn't be where it, i'd want to be but it would I be a really weird environment to work under sure, sure. but i kind of get it okay so he goes on too. all of the bernie bros joke about being another seth rich i don't know if anybody remembers who seth rich was he was the gentleman back in was it 2016 he was murdered on the streets of Washington, um, or no, Pennsylvania, I can't remember. He was murdered on the streets. He was um, attacked and he was not robbed. Like his watch and his wallet were still on his person. Um, he was out for a morning jog. He was actually one of the, um, a staff member. Mm-hmm. That was Seth Rich. So they joke about being another Seth Rich. With the paranoid atmosphere, some of us would make comments about ending up like Seth. None of us really believed the conspiracy theories, except for one weird older guy who was convinced that Malcolm Nance murdered him. His evidence? Nance made some cryptic tweets about punishing the hackers the day before Seth was murdered. And the deed was done less than a mile from the intelligence museum in DC that Nance owns. I didn't buy it, but I, can, but I can't say I wasn't intrigued by the coincidence. Again, still nothing really crazy about Joe Biden, okay? Right. So still nothing juicy there. But he goes on. Three, there are people whose job is to digitally de-age Biden for political ads. If you saw a recent speech for Joe and thought he looked like a mummy, then saw snippets of the same speech in an ad, you might have noticed he looked a lot better. That's because the contracted VFX artists from California, they've contracted VFX artists from California to de-age him. Normally, I wouldn't begrudge them this, as I'm sure all campaigns try to make their candidate look good. But considering what they're really covering up for, Joe Biden is in the early stages of dementia and is on medication for it. This is the big one and the one I have the least direct experience with, but it's, been open, but it's been an open secret for some time. Anyone who has had a relative with Alzheimer's or dementia can tell you there are good days and bad days. On the good days, when Joe is at his most lucid, his campaign manager, Jen, will send him out for photo ops or TV interviews. Make hay while the sun is shining, you know? On the bad days, Jen just tells the press pool, no Joe today, and they're all like, Okay, cool. Most of the time, he's just a little foggy and gets really agitated. But one of my coworkers told me that back in May, there was a day where he thought he was running against Gary Hart in the 84 primary again. Joe went under wraps for several days after that. He's been more lucid recently because his physician, Dr. O'Connor, put him on Namenda. Jen apparently was worried about someone finding it out because she insisted that he prescribe it under a series of phony names and then have the interns pick it up. I bet there are a lot of pharmacists in Philly wondering why there are so many young people on Namenda. Um, I'm not surprised about the VFX thing. He no, looks I'm actually not either. Yeah. Um, and like he pointed out, I'm not... I guess I'm not as as overwhelmingly concerned because yeah, I I would expect any um, anybody on the campaign trail to have VFX people actually making them look good in their ads. That's kind of the point. They're going to have a harder time during the uh, during, during the during press the conferences and those kind of things when you yeah. see the the quote unquote live feeds. Yeah, the live feeds yeah. are going to be rough. Yep. So, and that's, goes, that's a, uh, an issue with the debates as well. Yeah. The issue, the no. debates are going to be terrible. The debates are, uh, well, let me finish reading this and we'll talk about okay, the debates. Yeah, 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 so yeah, 
Um, I'm almost done here. He says, five, the dementia medication has had um, unfortunate side effects. There's no dancing around this. The medication has made Joe incontinent. Though his good old days have increased dramatically, he can barely get through a press event without running to the bathroom. That's why he didn't take questions after announcing Harris as his running mate. They weren't afraid of the questions. The press loves him. They were afraid he was going to piss his pants on camera. Lately, Jen's been having closed-door meetings to discuss, to discuss which brand of incontinence pads would be best to purchase. Seriously, a group of paid staffers sat around and discussed which brands were the least visible, the least likely to leak, and wouldn't audibly crinkle. That's around the time I left the campaign. I can't be a party to this sick game anymore. I never really liked Joe Biden, but he deserves better than to be thrust into the public eye when he should be in memory care. His wife should put a stop to this, but she's way too excited about being first lady to care about her ailing husband. I can't really speak for uh, Mrs. Biden at all. No, and that's, that's a very um, morbid thought, actually. Um, I, that's, that, that hurts my heart. You know, I, I've, I've dealt with a lot of people in memory care and to think that I, I can't say because I'm not there and I don't right. get to speak with Joe personally. Um, but if he, that's, uh, that's a very sobering thought. And the, the, um, the debates are going to be really interesting. I think this is one of the reasons why the Democrats have been pushing now. They've been trying to lay the foundation that a debate is not necessary. We've seen we've heard Nancy Pelosi say that. Um, there have been a lot of uh, journalists who are political journalists and commentators have been saying, why do we need to have these debates? I think it could be, I think some of this could be because one of his cognitive decline. I think there are more people worried about the cognitive decline. Even if they don't know about it, I think there are a lot of people that um, think it's definitely there based on the way he talks. Sure. Um, but also if, if he is incontinent. Now, can you imagine Joe Biden trying to be on a stage for two, two and a half hours during a debate? Um, this is going to be rough. This yeah. is... And, and I actually, I feel bad. If that is a, a genuine issue, I mean, uh, God, uh, the amount of ridicule that that poor man would come under, um, it, it, it's, it's almost unfair. Uh, sure. And, and that's, that's, that's not, that's, that's messed up. Now, you imagine, now let's say just a part of this is true. Even if there's okay. maybe a little bit of this is true. Okay. If you aren't, if you're part of team Biden and you know that later this month in like less than two weeks, is it the 20th? Might be the 29th. In a couple of weeks, you're going to have to do, you're going to have to prepare your candidate for a, um, for a debate on national television. that's going to be broadcast around the world. That thing has to go off without a hitch. Mm -hmm. How worried are you? I would be extremely worried. Um, no, worried? No, terrified. Yeah, I, I mean, let's. I mean, because let's break this down honestly. If, if this, if if any of this is true, you were worried about Joe Biden just being able to make it through two and a half hours of being literally with hundreds of cameras on him mm -hmm. the whole time. That's cause for concern and worry. 
then you need to have him actually address poignant issues, which don't get me wrong. He's given all of the questions up front. Oh, sure. You can prep him for all of it. Um, but you've got to be able to make sure that he can talk on his feet about all that. That's caused to be very worried and very concerned. Then you are going to pit him against Donald Trump side by side, which whether you like him or not, you have to be honest to say he has debated and obliterated some very sharp and intelligent individuals in his time. That should have you terrified. Well, and keeping in mind that leading up to a debate like that, you have to put your candidate through the ringer. Mm -hmm. You have, there's a lot of prep that goes into these debates. Yeah. It's it's, a lot of, and it's tiring. Oh, it's exhausting. It's worse than, than witness prep. If you're going to put a witness on the stand in court, Um, because you have to, you, it's not just about prepping. You know, a lot of times people think about preparing for a debate, a, a political debate. They think it's in terms of being able to answer the questions or responding to the questions for any candidate, even somebody like Donald Trump. Okay. I know people like to say Donald Trump's an idiot. Well, he, he actually runs a multi-billion dollar corporation and he's president of the United States. Guess what? He's a lot smarter than most people give him credit for. Agreed. Same goes for, for George W. Bush, right? So let's at least recognize that there's something going on between the ear space there. Okay. For, for all intents and purposes, the answers is not so much what you're worried about. Because if you're running on principle and, you, and you're at least somewhat cognizant of the issues, you'll do fine in terms of your answers. What, what you have to prepare the candidate for are the other things, the mannerisms, the mm-hmm. facial expressions, how you hold your body, all of the body language. Because when you're on camera, those things speak volumes. Right. Okay. And you also cannot get your buttons pushed by when the other guy's Correct. talking. Right. It's you, you really are prepping your candidate to, to keep their cool. I mean, yes. essentially you, you have to know without saying it, Donald Trump is going to call you an ignoramus and an idiot and a fool in front of the entire world. How are you going to keep your cool? And how are you going to keep and, your cool? And you have to be able to show that, like you pointed out, not just with your with your language, but with your entire body. Keep in right. mind, 90% of our communication is body language. It's, it's physical in our, in our responses. It's not about the words you say. So right. it's – and you're going against somebody who is, in, I mean, phenomenal – at poking the bear and pushing the buttons. Yes. I mean, I thought I was good. He's a master at just poking you until right. you can't take it anymore. Right. And he's done that repeatedly. Look at the debates previously. Yeah. I mean, you think he just spouts off the cuff and just says ridiculous stuff? No. He's, they have thought about how he's going to push the buttons of the people he's talking against to show everyone else it's not even with that person so that he can get them to show everyone else who and how they act who they are and how they act 
And part of the part of the trouble that that Biden is going to have is one you heard from that from those clips that uh, that we played just a few minutes ago. He's going to have a very difficult time just speaking because he's not going to have that teleprompter in front of him. Mm-hmm. So as on one hand, now I'm start starting to worry if I was a Biden, if I, if I was working on his campaign, is he going to be able to give the responses? Because typically with somebody who's just a candidate at this level, okay, answering the questions, th- that's not something you would normally worry about. In this situation, you do because of the way that he, that he go, the way he answers when he's off teleprompter. He's a disaster when he's off teleprompter. But also, you, you, can't control the, you can't control what Trump is going to do to him in terms of poking the bear and pushing all of those buttons. And when you have somebody who's, who's in the beginning stages of dementia, are they gonna be on their game? Are they gonna be lucid the day of the, the, day of the debate? That, yeah. And that's the bigger question. You have no idea. You, you can't prepare for that. Are they going to be lucid enough to be able to get there? This guy's 77 years old who obviously needs a lot of rest, which means you're going to have to rest him before you even go in there. You're not going to be able to beat him up in practice to get him ready for those debates. He's going to have to show up and you're going to have to time it so that as soon as he shows up there, he's going right out onto the stage and you better hope that either A, he doesn't piss his pants or B, that the, that the president doesn't start poking his buttons. Because guess what happens? I'm sorry, but if he does end up pissing his pants on stage, do you think Trump is not going to call attention to that? Of course well, he's going to call attention to it. And, and I can tell you right now, if, if you think you're going to get through even half of that debate without President Trump poking him right in the forehead and pushing the buttons i got news for you it's going to happen within the first two questions yeah within the first two questions the very minute the second that biden slips stumbles or or says uh or i don't know trump's going to be jumping on him yeah he can't answer that for you i mean he can't he doesn't know and he's going to do that just to get biden to get mad yeah, because the minute he loses his train of thought, he can't get it back. And Trump knows this. He's not dumb. You can say whatever you like about him. You can call him a big meanie head, but he's not dumb. He all he has to do is get um, Biden just 10 degrees off of his train of thought and he won't be able to get it back. And then right at that moment where all that confusion is starting to settle down, he's going to hit it again. I'm telling you right now how the debate is going to go. You're going to see it. You're going to go, holy crap, Jason was right. How did he know? He will derail Biden within two questions. He's going to poke at him just to get Biden mad. And he will. Biden's already said he, he's, he's so mad he wants to take him behind the woodshed and, and kick his butt. He's going to get him just mad enough that he loses his train of thought. And he won't be able to get it back. And I'm telling you, it's, he's going to pounce on that every time from then on. And it's going to be a very rough and rugged road. And if you're, if you're thinking, if you're thinking, well, Joe Biden got through the democratic debates. Yeah. But that was a year ago. Those were happening this time last year. Well, and, and, but on that time frame and, and, 
you know, a lot of time has passed since then. We're talking like 10 months have gone past, 11 months have gone past since, since Biden was doing those, those types of debates. And we really started seeing a lot of this kind of weird cognitive issue with Biden in a few times the press has commented on it, which got him to say, oh, I'll take my cognitive abilities up against his any days. They, you know, he, was, he said that because he was asked about it. But the reason why I was asked about it is because these cognitive issues have begun to show up since January. And now they're out there in the mainstream. Well, and in regard to the Democratic debates for the primaries, you know what? He did not knock those out of the park either. No, he didn't. And he didn't have I to mean, speak half the time because he yeah. had other Democratic um, candidates out there. Yeah, he, he did not. He didn't put up a good fight. He survived them. I mean, if you really go back and listen to those debates, even even then, um, it's not. And he, let's be honest, again, and I'm not trying to prop anybody up, but he was not taking on Donald Trump. If nothing else, they were all on the same side, just coming at the argument from a different angle. He didn't have somebody literally poking him in the face, and Donald Trump is going to do that, right? And he's going to do it early. He's going to do it very quickly. Right. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, and, and the Democrats right now, they're, they're floundering because, you know, keep in mind that, uh, that President Trump has now been nominated for two Nobel Peace Prize prizes. Correct. Yep. Two of them. Two of them, because he's brokering a lot of peace deals in the Middle East right now. Um, and of course, this has caused liberals to now come out and say, well, maybe it's time to get rid of the Nobel Peace Prize. Maybe they don't mean anything anymore. <laughs> of course. Yeah. The and Atlantic you know what? wrote a story on that. Yeah. This is the, sorry, not to cut you off, but the, the interesting point you were talking about the, the uh, campaign trail being exhausting. Mm -hmm. Well, here you have Joe Biden, who's rarely out of his house. He does one event and then runs and goes home. Um, and yes, the campaign trail is exhausting. And yet, the President of the United States right now, who is quadrupling his efforts on the campaign trail in comparison to the Democratic forerunner, and is also brokering peace in the Middle East, which is more than any president has done in the last 25 years. Mm -hmm. Just saying. Yeah, it'll, it'll be... Um... It'll be a really interesting time. Um, we'll, we'll have to see how all that plays out. I've got one last thing that I wanted to show you. Um, there was a, another piece that I, wa I wanted to find, but I can't find it right now. So I'll have to, uh, I'll have to dig that up for next time. Um, and, and really what that had to deal with is, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of politicians right now. We've got a lot of journalists that are saying, oh, Trump did nothing about COVID. You know, if only he had done mm -hmm. things earlier. Mm -hmm. I have an entire list and I got to go find it somewhere buried in my stack of stuff here. But uh, I have an entire list. It's a day by day timeline of all of the things that Trump has done that, the, that his administration did in preparing for, for COVID and dealing with COVID since the outbreak started and all this started, you know, the timeline basically starts, I think it's January 3rd and it goes essentially through like April, but it's almost yeah. every single day where there's something happening. I want to be able to run through that because I think there are a lot of people that don't know. And there are people that think, 
well, maybe Trump didn't do much of anything. Um, right. And the list is quite surprising because you realize that, oh yeah, he actually did quite a bit. Um, well, but- and, and I heard Biden speak at the, the press conference was just this last week. Um, and, and I was able to listen to at least most of it. But there was one thing that, that he pointed out and he said, you know, how many of our children are at home and not in the classroom where they should be? And how many of them are suffering right now? And I go back to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Time out. Trump was the one basically saying, look, we need to get our kids back in schools. You know, when, uh, when they were saying that the, the CDC was recommending that teachers, before we get our um, students back in schools, they need to be trained. Trump's the one saying, great, I am assigning a task force out of the CDC to go train the schools to do it. And they're not letting them actually do that. That has not been Trump saying, keep our kids out of school. It's quite the opposite. And Joe, along with the rest of the Democratic Party, is the one actually saying, no, we don't want our kids back in schools. And then to come out and try and, and throw that at the base of uh, Trump's feet and saying, here, look what you did. That's just, that's just egregious to me. I, I, I cannot stomach that. The, um, the hypocrisy there is just beyond, it's, it's beyond baffling to me. Pisses me off. So, well, here, here, here's, let's watch this last little bit. I found this for you. I think this is amazing. Um, this is a black woman. I have no idea why she's wearing what she's wearing. I don't know if you can tell what she's wearing. She's wearing a, a skin tight bodysuit, I guess is what you would call it. Um, she must be very proud of herself because she's wearing this out in public. But, um, you know, yes, queen, let's do it. And, um, well, let's just hear what she has to say. Now she's giving a class, she's teaching a class, okay? I don't know who they are. They're adults. They, it's probably some corporate training, but she's teaching a class. And listen to what she has to say at the beginning of this. All white people are racist. So <laughs> I put this up because I really want any white person in the room to know up front that this is what we're dealing with, that it's not gonna be this coddling of white tears and what that looks like. We're not gonna discuss, oh, maybe some of us have worked it out. No, you're always gonna be racist actually. So even when you're on your path to trying to figure out how to be a better human being, um, because I believe that white people are born into not being human, like that actually instead of people of color and black folks being dehumanized, that actually everyone is dehumanized off rip within white supremacy, that y'all are born into a life to not be human, and that's what y'all are taught to do, to be demons. So in this particular way, white people are all racist. So I just want y'all to know that up front. All Wait, all people no, hold are on. Uh-huh. hold on. Hold uh-huh. on. Okay. So I don't know whether just the all white people are racist was she doing that for shock factor or not, but she if I heard her correctly, she then goes on to say that white people are not human. Correct. That you are demons. Correct. Okay. And her, did you see when they panned it? Oh, I don't know if you could tell, but the when entire the camera, classroom's pretty much made up of white people. Yeah, they just sat there. I would have left. I would have left too. I would have got up and left. Yeah. And what I love, I love this right here. This is her PayPal account. 
All white people are racist. PayPal me. You are not human. You are demons. PayPal. So give me your money. Give me money. And we're not going to be pandering to white tears. Correct. This is a cult. This is a, this is a religious cult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, and, and the reason why I say that is they're, they're doing the exact same thing that a lot of cults do, right? You have, you have these, this dark sin that exists inside of you. And the only way that you can be rid of it is by me helping you. Well, but no, 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 no. If I heard her correctly, it's nothing that you are going to eventually. Um, well, this isn't about a cure. Through. This isn't no, about a cure. She, she actually specifically said, if I heard her correctly, and maybe I didn't, but if, I, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um, but I thought, if I heard her correctly, she said, there isn't, there's none of you that are, maybe you're going to deal with this and get better. There's no cure. They're not, you're not coming out of this. No, um, no, you can get better in the way that you address non-white people, but it's like alcoholism. You have to work it every single day. Otherwise, you're at risk of falling backwards because it's your natural state is to be not human and to be a demon. Well, but that's just it. If you're a demon, then you cannot be human. It's you can, impossible. You, right. You can never, there's no hope for you. There's no hope. You'll never get better. You'll never be cured. You'll never be cured of your racism. All you can hope to be, all you can hope to be is, is learn little things about yourself so that you do not outwardly express your racism. But then the only way to do that is to constantly give me cash. Now, what would happen? I'm going to throw out a hypothetical. Because we talked about this, if it's one side versus the other, and the, if the principle is good, then it should equalize, right? Yeah. So what were to happen if I were to go to this, um, I don't know, whether it's an adult learning center, community college, wherever this is at, God forbid it's at a church, um, and actually put up a sign right next to her and said, all black people are racist. Well, you would be destroyed. I'd be shot. Yeah. I'd be murdered in the street. Yeah. Like the two cops in LA that were just recently shot the yeah. other day, two days ago. So, and I'm asking legitimately, how is this okay? Because obviously it is. She's being praised by mm -hmm. at least a handful of people, legitimized by enough that, they, that she's allowed, if not encouraged, to come in and say all white people are racist. I'm sorry, that is racist. Alicia Shackelford, you are racist. By making any statement about an entire race of people, that is the definition of racism, is it not? It is. And I think the way that the reason why we got here or the way that we wound up here is because this has been a slow burn for decades. This has been a very, very slow burn for a very, very long time. And when you, when you tell, when you tell somebody something long enough, whether it's true or partially true or whatever, they start to believe it. 
if it's completely false, you know, they might not believe it for a while, but if you keep telling them enough, they'll eventually come to believe it. You know, there were, if you go back many, many decades, of course, there were, there were stories of, you know, uh, of segregation. You had the Jim Crow laws, you had, um, you had the civil rights era. There were, there were visible signs of black people being, mistreated in different communities you had there were we did have lynchings in this country i'm not hiding any of that no right there were a a lot of people have been discriminated against and treated like absolute crap in this country and over time our country has healed and gotten better is it perfect no of course not there are still bigots. There always will be to some degree, right? But I think you, we've told stories about the civil rights era. We've told stories about slavery, et cetera, for so long that that has, that has really solidified itself into our collective consciousness as a country, especially amongst a lot of, a lot of uh, white people, white, white Americans, that do they do feel like I want to be able to give something back because they've heard this for so long and now it's ripe for this kind of exploitation. Well, and, and that's just it. It's exploitation. It's, it's absolutely exploitation. And you know, the, the, you brought up a point last week, I believe it was about a lack of mental fortitude Mm -hmm. in this country. Yeah. And here we have an example of, of this woman saying what she's saying and a room full of people allowing her to say it for one reason and one reason only. They are afraid to tell her what she is saying is wrong because we as a society have become conditioned that we are not allowed to disagree with what somebody's saying because of who's saying it. There is absolutely no reason why anybody can't say, I'm sorry, Alicia, you are wrong. What you are doing is wrong. I'm not saying I dislike you for who you are, but I dislike the message that you are saying for what it is. It is a racist sentiment. It is absolutely divisive and segregatory, and it is destroying the country that I love. And I dislike what you are saying, and I refuse to be a part of it. And we have lost our mental fortitude to be able to say, I can dislike what you are saying. It doesn't mean I dislike you because you're black or I dislike whatever you're going to say because of, uh, you know, this inherent racist tendency for your entire culture. That's BS. That's BS. And we have been conditioned, like you're saying, to believe that we are not allowed to disagree with anybody from a separate culture because of the fact that they are of a different culture. That's wrong. We can disagree with somebody for what they say and disagree with a message. That doesn't mean we have to dislike the individual for who they are. Those two are not related. Well, and part of the reason why we're here now is because of this whole cancel culture. Mm -hmm. We, we have now been put in a position where a vast majority of the country is terrified. A vast majority of the country is terrified to say, you know what? This is garbage. 
what, what the message of this training, whatever the hell this training is called, this training is absolute garbage. It's destructive. Studies show that it doesn't do anything to decrease racial tensions. In fact, there are now studies coming out it that shows that it, it does is the opposite, mm -hmm. that it causes people to be more racist in the workplace, which is fantastic for them. Because if the, if the racism goes up in a culture, in a company culture, because you came in and gave some stupid training like this, well, then that's just proof evidence that you got to bring me back in. Yep. Well, and not only that, see, this is, this, this means exactly what I was saying is hundred percent true. Here's right. the evidence of that. Here's, you know, so now, now you I have to come it. back in. Yeah. I have to come back in because now we have a problem that we have to deal with. Mm -hmm. Okay. And when people are terrified, they're terrified, they're going to lose their jobs because if, if, if somebody out there has a negative perception of them as an individual, and if all they have to say is, well, you're a racist, and if somebody's going to get fired over that, because there are many companies that are just saying, you know what, I don't want to have anything to deal with this, so I'll fire this individual just to get this person out of my hair and get the Black Lives Matter off my back so they stop bothering me. Right. Well, now you've got everybody by the balls. Right. Well, and, and look at what we were talking about this before we started. Look at what's happening in the NFL. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but this, this is exactly the pickle that mm -hmm. the NFL has found themselves in. I mean, they thought, they really did, that they could appease, and let's be honest, I mean, a vast majority of their players in the league are black. So mm -hmm. they thought they could show their support for the Black Lives Matter movement and the social justice situation and to end racism and all that, they said, okay, well, we're going to play the Black National Anthem before every game, and we can let you put slogans on your jerseys. We're going to let this happen. And they thought they would be free and clear of it, and everybody would be happy. Well, guess what? Who wasn't happy? Your consumer, your customer. And the ratings for the NFL are in the toilet. So many people who were devout NFL fans have walked away. No looking back. And it doesn't matter what team. I mean, there's no secret what mine is. But that being said, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whether your team was affected by any of this or not, I'm telling you, the ratings are down. They're in the toilet. I think it was something in the realm of 10 to 20% of the people that they thought were going to actually tune into the very first NFL game actually did. And now they're scrambling. They don't know what the heck to do. Like, well, you guys said you were never going to politicize the game. That's what you said a few years ago. And now you made it all politicized. And guess what? Most of the people that normally tune into the NFL said, I didn't sign up for this. I well, don't keep, have any part of it. Keep in mind that today, I think it was today, Kaepernick came out. You know, the guy who started all of this, he started kneeling and everything and because he knew that his career was going to be done. So he started kneeling. The guy has made millions of dollars off of all of his different endorsements oh, since yeah. leaving the NFL. But of course, he wants to get back into the NFL. And now Kaepernick has come out and said, you know, all of that Black Lives Matter stuff that the NFL is doing, that's all just pandering. They don't mean any of it. So here the NFL has yeah. been trying to appease the crowd. They've been, or they, I should say, they've been trying to appease the mob. The mob, right. And now the lead, one of the so-called leaders of the mob has come out and is now 
chastising them by saying, yeah, what you're doing doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You're not, what you're doing isn't good enough. Yep. You're just pandering. You're pandering yep. to the cause. And, and I made that point from the beginning. There's never, if you think <laughs> you're going to be able to just give a little and get by, newsflash. They're going to no, take, them, not. you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile and it's never going it's to be good enough. It's never going to stop. So the only thing that you can ever do is to never apologize, is to never apologize to the mob. Just don't right. do it. Yep. Don't appease the mob. Don't apologize the mob because as soon as you do, they're, they own you. Yep. Because and all they they're, because they're not going to play by the same rules. They're just going to change. They're just going to move the goalposts on you. Mm-hmm. And, and when you yep. call them on it and say, well, you can't do that. You can't move the goalposts on it on me. They're going to turn right around and say, well, you're racist. Exactly. And they're just going to throw that right back in your face. And there's nothing. Now you've already appeased them. There's nothing you can do about it. Right. The best thing that you can do to defeat this is if you're attacked by the mob is to never, ever back down from the mob and never, ever say you're sorry. And that's why we always say, if you speak from a position of principle, Correct. then there's no reason for you to ever have to apologize. Right. Absolutely right. And, and we, that was the reason why we spent so much time in our very first season here on this show, yep. lining out what our principles and values are so that from that point on, we can speak about these issues from that place. And I don't apologize. We don't. And nor should you out there listening. If you are sitting in a place of principles and values, you should never find yourself in a place to apologize. And for God's sake, don't do it for the idea of trying to appease those who are in your face, because I guarantee you it's not going to stop there. Ever. Not no. going to stop ever. All right. Well, I think we've talked about all of this. Uh, I, I've had a lot of fun this episode. Me too. Um, for everybody else, make sure you can catch all of our shows off of our uh, our website at fusionunderground.net send us email at contact at fusionunderground.net we're also on twitter at the fu brothers um and you can find us wherever podcasts are downloadable so we're even on apple if you're one of those weird alien species of people that likes apple products so you can find (laughs) us there otherwise you can find all of our rss feeds um, and we're also on YouTube. We're also on Facebook. Facebook is facebook.com forward slash AZ, under, AZ Fusion Underground. You can find us there. Um, yeah. Everything out yeah. there. Thanks for listening, everybody. For Jason Moret, I'm Manuel Ramirez. You've been listening to the Fusion Underground. Peace. Have a good night. <laughs>